0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Sock Takes Pod. This is episode 41. I am your host, Kevin Johnston. we got a fantastic show lined up for you today. Um, on the panel with me is Sock Takes staff writer, John Leonard. John, what's going on, brother?
1: Hello. It's a great day in Texas and therefore a great day for the world. <laughs>
0: And we got a great guest. Uh, a lot of you that follow lower division soccer and college soccer probably know him. He is the head coach of Detroit City FC, also an assistant coach for the Michigan State Spartans men's side. It's none other than Ben Pierman. Ben, thanks so much for for joining us today. and how's it going?
2: Doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Cool. So we got uh, tons of stuff on the agenda, tons to talk about. but, Before we jump into that, we got a couple quick uh, website-related announcements to make. So, um, first of all, we are pleased to announce that we have joined the beautiful game network, the BGN family. Um, And so we now have a new sponsor. And so now the Sock Takes Pod, uh, we are now presented by Roughneck Scarves. So we're pleased to be um, a part of the network. A bunch of great pods, especially a bunch of USL-specific pods. So a lot of our USL listeners, you definitely want to check out all the pods on the network. Give all those guys a listen. A bunch of great stuff on the network. So, yeah, we're pleased to uh, be be part of the network. Um, thank you to Roughneck Scarves for uh, being, being a sponsor of, Soc, of the SockTex pod now. And another announcement we made just today, actually, fresh off the grill... Is we got a partnership with a local nonprofit here in Indianapolis. So, shout out to Indiana Futsal. Sock Takes will now be uh, doing the good Lord's work of Indiana Futsal. So, we're, we're pleased to be an official partner with them. We're going to help them via promotional methods, um, coverage, and as well as fundraising, too, in whatever way we can. So we're really excited about that. A bunch of great stuff going on at the website. A bunch of new articles came up in the last week, and we also got more to come for you this weekend. So I'll stop boring you to death with all the shout outs, and we'll jump right into it. So, Ben, let's kick it back over to you uh first of all um can you just stop winning so many games you got took the spartans were one win away one pk shootout away from the final four lost to the indiana hoosiers in the sweet 16 and of course detroit city made it to the final four in the npsl so um what is in the water you drink ben and um just uh give us an overview of um you know what it takes to to win so many games
2: well, uh, you know, I appreciate that. I think, you know, it's kind of twofold obviously at Michigan state university, um, you know, head coach Damon Renzing's been there going into his 10th year now and he's had a ton of success. I'm going to be going into my eighth year. And, um, you know, we, we made our third elite eight NCA quarterfinal this year in the last five seasons. We're one of four teams in the country to do that. Um, you know we've taken a lot of very good steps forward. we We have a very good foundation of recruiting players from the state of Michigan. Um, you know we put a high value on character as well as uh, player selection. And then, you know, lastly, I think just like most teams in the country try to do, we we try to develop players over three, four, five years, however long they're at the institution. Um, And, you know, I think we've done a very good job of having a really good identity. We play a really good brand of soccer, and and every single day we we try to make sure we're the hardest-working team on the field. Um, And and I've tried to carry that over with me to coaching Detroit City. Obviously, it's a, a totally different animal than been coaching in the NCAA and um, you know this past season as you referenced, we went to the national semifinal and lost in penalties Um, and and, you know we were able to attract some very high level players both both currently in college as well as some recent graduates or former pros so we are a a big club for for our level and I think the uh, the fan base and the support that we have from our community you know, is incredible, and I, I haven't really seen anything else like it before. And I think, I think once the players get involved with that, they they realize it, it is a unique club. It is they're fighting every day for something special. So, you know, it's there's not a there's not a lot, you know, to winning games. You need good players, and you need to put them out in their their proper spots and make sure everybody's on the same page. So, you know, you try to keep it simple and 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 honestly try to get out of the, get out of their way and let them play well.
0: And one of our, our one of our recent guests, Nick Mendola with FC Buffalo, he used the word, quote, crown jewel. He said that Detroit City FC and Chattanooga, those were the crown jewels of the NPSL and um, sang your praises from the highest mountaintops um and basically said that that is the model to follow you know if you want to achieve success at this level or um, whatever you know this is how you do it you follow these two clubs so what does that mean to you to hear that and also could you just talk about um some of the people uh, who, who put in work behind the scenes or and kind of laid the foundation to to create this special thing you have going on in detroit yeah, you know, about
2: 7 years ago or so there were the five owners, you know, they got together after a kind of like a men's league game in the city and they said, "Hey, how do we bring high-level soccer to this city?" Because we're we're such a historic city. We've got a lot a, hu- a huge city. We've got a lot of history with with soccer and there there was there was that void there of having a club. So they started an NPSL club and, and they, they made sure they put the community in the supporters first. And I think, you know, it sounds it sounds like common sense and you've seen clubs like Atlanta United and these clubs do it at, at the top levels. Um, you know, Detroit City did it and they said, we're going to make sure that we put our community first and you know we're going to continue to build that way, and I think Chattanooga is a very similar club with the support that they have in their community. And it's, I I, I tell our guys each day when they when they pull on that jersey, you do represent something special. Um, you know, it's it's only a 12. 13-week season, Um, but it seems like it seems like an eternity. Every single day working with these guys. So, you know, our our owners like Sean Mann and and, um, Alex Wright, they have just done such a tremendous job. You know, branding the club. You know, building it every single day. We're gonna they're gonna announce some summer international friendlies here in the next few weeks that are gonna you know potentially blow some people away with with the opponents that we're able to attract. Last year we played you know, Serie B club beneath CFC coached by Filippo Nzaghi and, and we played Glenn Torn from Belfast, Northern Ireland. So each year we do really impressive things and we try to continue to just build the game and build the club and, and our supporters, you know, you, you just can't speak high enough about them because they're just, they are, they're crazy. They're lunatics. And that makes it awesome. But they will, they will back our, our players and they'll back our club every single day, no matter what. And I think, when you step back and you look at the the sport of soccer across the whole world, that's kind of what it's all about is really supporting your club and having their back. And our, our, our fans have just been tremendous with that, whether it's myself or the players of the club in general, and then further to go on with that, they have, they've done so much for our community, for our city. They've, they've helped renovate a, you know, a 80 year old stadium. They, they put about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars into it themselves, the community, the fans. So it's it's an impressive club. Um, you know, it's humbling to be a part of it, and I'm just I'm just excited to get get back out on the field with them in a in a few weeks and uh, get rolling with them.
0: And John, I'll let you hop in here with a question in one second, but. While we're talking about the DCFC supporters, now's a perfect time to hop into a Twitter question or two that we got. So we, we put a feeler out there on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, Ben, but we got a great response because, of course, your club is so well-supported. So got several Twitter questions. Um, I'm going to combine a couple of these just because we have limited time. Uh, th- this is from Twitter user Gus Macker and NGS They ask... Um, what do you tell first-time players about the, the first home match experience and what do they say afterward? And JX, NGS asks, uh, what is your favorite NGS banner or flag, if you've noticed a particular one you're fond of?
2: Um, well, you know, I can't really explain to the players who haven't been a part of it what to expect. Um, you know, for example, our opening night last year, there's 7,000 fans and we're down three to two in the 93rd minute. And there's so much smoke, you know, flying through people's faces that no one can see. And we score the equalizer and and guys are coming off the field. And it was was a disappointing result to tie three, three, but they were excited. They didn't give up. They got the point and and the players were just kind of blown away with the support and just the, the noise. I mean, you literally can't hear. So I can't really tell them, Hey, this is how it goes. This is what you need to expect. It's just something they need to experience. Um, And hopefully more times than not, we have players that have been through it before who can help bring along the new guys. But that's one of the exciting things is, uh, you know, being able to, 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 experience something like that. A lot of these guys are college kids who sometimes play in front of their friends and family. Sometimes they play in front of great crowds in college and then when they play at, at Keyword stadium there in Hamtramck, it's, it's something like they've never really experienced. So that, that kind of is, is one of those things where they just almost have to figure it out for themselves and just try to say, Hey, it, it is going to be a different animal um, in terms of favorite banner or, or uh, flag. I, 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 I'm not gonna lie. I get caught looking over there all the time. I re- they, I get caught singing with them, you know, <laughs> tapping my feet, getting going. You know when they when they get the Tetris going, it's it is really cool. And, and uh, you know I don't know if I have one that stands out from the rest, but like I said, I can't really you know praise those supporters enough because it is it is something special. I think it that's the reason our players want to be a part of this club, and they give it, our supporters give as much energy and effort as our players and, and my staff. So it's one of those things where I think it's a
1: collaborative effort that really goes well together. John, just one. So we've it's come up a couple of times as I was following the Keyworth Stadium and contributed to that project uh, with what I could. Uh, I, I'd love to just hear about. So, what is the sort of behind the scenes atmosphere of Keyworth Stadium compared to, say, the Michigan State soccer facilities? What's the sort of level there? Well, you know. Keyworth Stadium was a works project
2: um, with FDR, I believe, in the the 40s. So you you have history there. You know, JFK gave a speech. Um, It's this old brick stadium in the middle of Hamtramck, which is a, you know, a very diverse community. And it it, it was founded a long time ago. And it's very tight. A lot of houses right in there. And then you've got this kind of massive 8,000-seat stadium. So... You know, it can be overwhelming for that level with, with, you know, every time I walk in, I always look at the other team and their coaches because they're always taking pictures and videos. And I usually try to get there a couple hours before the game. And I just, you know, try to take it all in. And I look at, you know, there's whether it's interns or workers with the club or whether it's fans and volunteers, they're setting things up. Like you said, behind the scene, they're they're making it. And you go, you know, what what, what a lot of people don't realize about Keyworth Stadium is, is that you know, if you go there on a Wednesday afternoon, there's 200 kids from the local community out on that field playing. And mm. then you go there on a Friday night, and you got 8,000 fans. And in our, like I referenced, our supporters they they buy tickets for the local kids so they can experience it. It's it's one of those things I, I keep using the word a collaborative effort where our supporters put in as much to that stadium and into our club as, as, anybody else. And our, I referenced Sean Mann earlier, who's just done a tremendous job building this club and, and, and spreading the brand and as well as just making that stadium one of the coolest venues around. Compare that to Michigan state where, you know, we were a, a large state school and, you know, we set a record this year. We played Maryland on our Friday night and we had, 4,800 fans there and it was electric and, and we just got lights put into that facility for the first time, um, you know, and it's just, you just see the game growing in our communities and it's, it's one of those things where to be honest, I'm just honored to be
1: a part of it all. Excellent. And uh, I've got another quick thing is how, have you seen any of the progress going on at the new Fieldhouse recently?
2: I haven't been there personally yet. I live about an hour and a half away from there, but Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be something that's really, really cool. I think, you know, that is right there in the heart of the city. So you're going to have access. You know, it's a lot of people like in Indianapolis know, but Detroit area, it's it's rough in the winters. You know, there's not a ton of opportunities outside. So (laughs) that's going to be one of those things where, again, the community is going to have extra access to something. It's going to be a fun very fun exciting event um that's going on in there and they're going to have again it's just one of those things where our club has kind of tried to do really well to give back to the community and continue to give them opportunities to flourish and and be a part of something special
0: mm-hmm. and speaking of the similarities and differences between the the two stadiums you coach at that's this ties in right to another couple of twitter questions we got Um, Twitter user Grant and the Crimson Ginger, they both posed a question wondering kind of about the the level of play, I guess you would say, the similarities between the Big Ten and the NPSL. So to tie it into one, um, the Crimson Ginger asks, coming off great seasons with DCFC and MSU, I'm curious about what differences you see between the NCAA season and the NPSL season from a coach's perspective.
2: Yeah, that those are very intriguing kind of questions. You know, the the Michigan State season obviously you you build into it over years. You bring a kid in as eighteen years old, and you you most kids you expect to be there for for three, four, five years in college, and they're getting an education as well. Whereas you, you look at the NPSL season, it's a twelve to fourteen week season, and you're trying to basically win games from the get go. So you know the, the the quality of play is very similar. Um, you know, with Detroit City, we can we can sign a 25 year old or or you know a, a guy like Greg Janicki who's been a you know an award winning and in cup winning player at very high professional levels all over North America. Whereas at Michigan State, you're signing 18 year olds. So it's very exciting to coach kids at Michigan State and then they get drafted to MLS and they have good careers. It's also, you know, awesome to be able to sign, you know, a player like Greg Janicki or, or I can reference Bakey Goodman who got released by the Seattle Sounders and then a week later he's playing for us and now he's, he's at Pittsburgh Riverhounds. So, you know, it's, it, it's very similar. You can get in the summer it can get a little, uh, you know, tough managing rosters because if you recruit college players they're going to go back to their colleges whereas every single day at Michigan State University you're working with the same Group of twenty to twenty six players day in and day out. You're, there's a longer term development process. So, you know the level of play at both are very high. Um, you know playing in the Big Ten is 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 just tough. You know we we lost to Indiana and in penalties in the quarterfinal this year, and they went on to to be be runner up. And and you know it's one of those things where just you're always getting tested. And when we recruit players to Michigan State, we say, hey, look, you might come in as an eighteen year old and play. You know, 13, 14 games as a freshman against the top 20 teams in the country, and then after four years, when you've played 50 of those games, you're going to be a man, being ready to go out there and, and, and compete with guys in MLS and USL. So, it's one of those things where I think it's just the, the development process at Michigan State and the NCAA and in the Big Ten is very exciting, and then the, just the competitive culture in NPSL and just. Being able to work with guys—it's just such a diverse group of guys. You know, they come from different colleges, different countries, different you know backgrounds, ethnicities. It's very exciting to work with them, and and that's what I really enjoy about Detroit City is is that it comes together as one group. We really gelled very well last year. We had uh, housing for players for the first time to really build cohesion and team chemistry. So. You know, the, like I referenced earlier, the philosophies are the same, and, and, and tactics can can change here and there, but it's all about getting the guys out on the field, enjoying the enjoying the beautiful game, and trying to trying to put our best product out there.
0: And our staff writer Nipun Chopra, who unfortunately wasn't able to join us tonight, he did slip in a couple questions for you, Ben. Uh, he asks, how does Lansing United switching to the PDL affect the Great Lakes Conference?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough loss because you know Nate has done a very good job coaching that club, and Jeremy, the owner, has done a good job of 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 uh, you know pushing them to 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 bigger and bigger games as we've played them and always had a good rivalry. So they're switching over to PDL. It, it's a tough one. I I can't coach Michigan State players with Detroit City. It's an NCA violation. So. We have, uh, some of our best four or five of our best players at Michigan state playing for Lansing United. So maybe it's a good thing that they're, they're switching over to a different league. So I don't have to play against a lot of the Spartans, but it's, uh, it's good. It's it's good that they're, they're in our community and our players at Michigan state have access to it. But, you know, like you referenced they're they're switching out of the NPSL. So we're going to lose a, uh, you know, kind of a good rivalry there. We've, we've always have had good battles and, um, you know, I know our fans enjoyed coming back from three-zero down last year, down with ten men, to to tie it with twenty minutes to go, and and tie it three-three. So maybe we'll be able to get a friendly against them. Who knows? But it's it'll definitely be a loss for the league. But um, you know, it's always it's always good that our players at Michigan State will still have those opportunities.
0: And speaking of your players at Michigan State, of course, one of your guys was just selected in the twenty eighteen MLS Super Draft. Defender Ken Krolicki. Um, was selected by the Montreal Impact. Who coincidentally, I actually got to see him live last weekend. I was out in Vegas for the inaugural exhibition match between Las Vegas Lights FC and the Impact. So um, I had no idea that he was from MSU as I was watching, and um, I guess it didn't really register to me that he had played so many minutes. So why don't you give us a little recap then of uh, his performance? Uh, did you? I don't know if you watched the entire game, but uh, if you got a scene of it, what did you think of his performance and Just tell us what you like about him as a player.
2: Yeah, Kenny was Kenny was unbelievable to coach. He's one of the rare kids who is selfless and has, you know, puts the team first. Unbelievable fitness level and work ethic, and just has a very good soccer IQ. His his, uh, awareness on the field is very good. Um, you know, in that game against Las Vegas, he played very deep as like a number six holding midfield player um, and, and sat in front of that back line. I thought he did did his job well. um, it was an electric, uh, no pun intended, a very very, you know, high intensity game for a preseason game. and for him to get the start right away was, was exciting for him, and he seems to be doing well for for Montreal in preseason. And they have a very good coach who seems to value Kenny, and he's going to bounce around the midfield a little bit, whether it's holding or or a little bit higher up the field as a box to box player. So, you know, he he is he is one of those guys that um, hopefully he continues to earn chances because he is a selfless player. He knows what needs to get done, and, and he's very hes very versatile where he can play in a handful of positions and, and help that club win
1: some games. John? I've got a, a, just a couple of things that I'm kind of curious about, one of which is that when Detroit City entered the NPSL, the t- 2012 season only saw 53 full teams, and now the league's sitting right around 100. How has the level of play and the feel of the league changed as it's nearly doubled in size
2: yeah i think i think you've seen uh, a movement really across the country of more clubs in their communities whether that's at mls level usl and nasl and higher pro leagues and, and, and all the way down to you know some of the lower quote non-pro leagues so the quality of play is improving every single year. Um, the standards are, are getting better and better, whether that's from, you know, stadiums and the fields to pregame locker rooms and officials, that the, the quality is just getting better every single year. And, and I think to be honest, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say, I think that clubs like Detroit city and you referenced Chattanooga before, I think they're a big part of that. A lot of, You know, a lot of clubs look at what Detroit City has done and say, "Hey, we can do something like that if we if we put our community first, and we put this sport first, um, and we and we all work together on this, you can build something special." And I think that's what's happening. Um, And I think you like you referenced the number of clubs in NPSL is is growing exponentially, and and that's more opportunities for young players and and, in even former and current pros to to showcase themselves. You see players. Playing NPSL and then they get drafted into into MLS. You see players playing NPSL and sign pro contracts, whether it was in the NASL or or in a USL now. So you, you see a lot of the development, and, and that's really what it's about. You continue to push these players. They play for these strong clubs. They play for their communities, and and I think if 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 you do it right, I think a lot of people are going to come out
1: in the positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've even heard specifically from new teams. When asking them about what their sort of goals and their their agenda is and a lot of them specifically say we want to be the next to detroit city and it's, yeah. it's to the growth and the performance of the organization that you guys have become the yardstick for semi-pro and psl level success
2: yeah definitely i think i think you hit that right on the head there i think there's um you know, you 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 reference that with with Detroit City potentially being a model, and and one of my my buddies, he's actually a Michigan State soccer alum. They're gonna start a club in Flint, and I know that uh, you know Sean Mann and our our staff have worked with them to try to help build that. And it's there's yes on the field, and we're all competing against each other, but. You know, a lot of these clubs, you know, build off of each other and share ideas and business models. And, and you know, like I referenced, if you're, you know, Detroit City can kind of quote be organic in a in a certain way where where everything is. Is based on our supporters and in our community. And, and I think that's something where, you know, that that's kind of the model. And there's, there's so many different ways to continue to brand and continue to, to do a lot of great things. And I see all these clubs signing high level players and, and playing in really cool stadiums and really cool state cities and doing a lot of really cool events. So you know, I, I'm excited just watching it, and I, I think, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of Detroit City, and I think Detroit City has really done a lot of good things for some of these other clubs as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And, Ben, one thing that's always impressed me about just the state of Michigan in its entirety is it really seems to be a hotbed of talent from the youth levels on up. And, you know, you really see that in how many successful NPSL and now PDL clubs – You know, we see up there Um, also, you know, even like Western Michigan, they produced a top 10 pick in the MLS super draft and also a second rounder, a goalkeeper in the second round. Uh, You have Michigan, the fourth overall pick. Um, And then we talked about Ken Krolicki earlier, who popped off the board in the third round from MSU. So it it happens every year. There's a plethora of talent coming out of this area. And for me personally, growing up, I remember, Uh, the youth club Vardar, and I'm not really up on the youth club scene in Michigan, but could you just kind of refresh me on some of the youth clubs and the importance of having that that grassroots development with with those strong youth clubs?
2: Yeah, so you have, you know, within the U.S. Soccer Development Academy structure, you have two academy clubs here in southeast Michigan. You have the Michigan Wolves, which have an affiliation with Columbus Crew, Um, And then you have Vardar and I actually, I'm a Vardar alum. I played for them growing up. So, you know, those are the two kind of quote bigger clubs in the area that have the uh, academy affiliations. You also have like cities like Grand Rapids and Lansing area that are really starting to boom with their youth development. And you referenced that there were, there were, you know, U of M had a player, but there there were three players from the state of Michigan drafted this year. And, you know, I would expect more next year as well. So, you know, you, you definitely you referenced it with, with the colleges and the NPSL and the PDL and, and other amateur leagues as well as these youth clubs that are really you know, either taking off or continuing to just get better and better. I don't know if it's um, – you know, there is something about the players from, from the state of Michigan. They have a little bit of a blue-collar edge, but they also tend to have a knack for, for being some pretty good soccer players as well. So they have that good combination of – Of desire and passion as well as the ability so I think you stem from that you can continue to just build and build and build and and continue to get high quality players in the state of Michigan
0: and we're trying to get to as many of these Twitter questions as possible so I'll try to wrap kind of two more questions into one for you real quick uh, just so everybody can get their question in but this is from Max Porto on Twitter he says Ben are you looking to add more players from the West Coast this year uh, for DCFC um, there were some players from Washington, but really the only one that had a lot of playing time was Rice. And also our rider Nipun Chopra, has a second question and says, who is the one player on DCFC that we should all watch out for this year?
2: Yeah, you know, ironically enough, I don't, I don't really necessarily care where players are from. Um, I try to build the best roster in terms of, character of the player but also the the ability of the player so you know we we uh hopefully when we do some player announcements coming up we can lock in a couple players from from a couple west coast teams we had elijah rice and luke Hosworth from university of washington last year unfortunately university of washington doing a an international tour this summer so we won't be able to bring out Any of their players, Um, you know, we have a great connection with with Coach Jamie Clark and Jeff Rowland. There, they've they've done a great job, and and they always have tremendous players, as you can tell, looking at their pros. Um, So, you know, we we don't necessarily go look on the West Coast, but um, I'm really hope there's there's three kids right now that I'm hoping to sign that hopefully in the next couple weeks we can uh, lock them in, and if if one of them I think potentially could be a, a top 10 draft pick in MLS next year. Um, and then in terms of, of, you know, high level players that we're signing, we're still right in the middle of that. So I don't want to, uh, ruin any announcements or anything, but, you know, I think we have, we have some returning players that are currently on trial in USL, um, and could be getting contracts there. We also have maybe another half dozen recruits that are also on trial. Um, so it kind of depends. I it's a, it's a little bittersweet. I want these guys to, Get first-team pro contracts and be able to further their careers, but I also selfishly want to be able to coach them with Detroit City and and, and you know have them in my club. But it's one of those things that's part of the job is developing guys and in trying to push them to the next level. But you know, hopefully in the next you know few weeks we'll be able to uh, solidify some more signings. And, and obviously, I I would be uh, if I didn't mention a player named Cyrus Sadie. He's uh, he is just a special, special player, and we played. I referenced a friendly against Venezia last year. We beat them two to nothing, a, a Serie B club, and and Cyrus played 37 minutes, set up both goals. I uh, subbed him out, and then the next day, you know, they wanted to bring him over to to Venice and and, and try to sign him. So he's been offered to come into the Liberian full national team. Um, he and he and his. uh, they just had a, a, a young daughter, so he's very excited to still be around this area. You know, he is a special, special player that, you know, maybe on paper should be playing in, in higher, higher levels, but he is a, a top, top-notch player.
0: And, Ben, uh, the reason that I kind of reached out to you in the first place to hop on the pod was because you reached out to us kind of randomly with some very fascinating information. It was basically a a complete scouting report on almost every, I'd say, just about every MLS Superdraft prospect for this season. Uh, Between, you know, working in the NPSL and college soccer, um, having uh, just that that scout's eye yourself. And I I found it quite fascinating. I I was glad you, you sent it over. Um, and in fact um, I thought about using part of it I almost reached out to you Um, I was gonna do a post and maybe do a mock myself and tie in some of your thoughts with mine so just to throw that out there I'd love to do that with you uh, for the 2019 draft you know maybe uh, we could do a little joint post or something with our scouting report uh, like a first-round mock type of thing but anyway thanks so much for sending that over I found that quite helpful quite fascinating because you know it's hard to watch tape of every player. You know, you, especially us. We cover a lot of stuff, so you try to cover mostly the pro game, and what college soccer you can. So I don't. You know, I'd only seen firsthand maybe half the players. Uh, and then as I saw Ben's notes, it kind of inspired me to watch more tape. You know, watch a few more guys. But in the end, you're never going to be able to see enough tape and get a, a good as good of a look as you'd like of every player. So it's so helpful to have a, a set of eyes on the inside right there on the front lines like ben uh to break down in detail what he thinks of all these players so thanks again for for sending that over ben and why don't you just tell us really quick we'll let you get out of here who do you in your opinion were like the top three to five prospects you can rattle off as many as you'd like and justification for uh why you rate those guys so favorably (laughs)
2: Yeah, no, and and I'll I'll send you I got about a list of a uh, 200 kids right now from my 2019 list that I got to start sharpening up. Obviously, I recruit for Detroit City heavily from college. So, you know, in terms of the 2018 draft, um, you know, most of this stuff we watch, you know, a lot of those guys we played against. And we do so much scouting and everybody in our game now is doing so much scouting that I kind of figured, "Hey, there's so many good players, and there's there's not enough out there to push these kids, and they are such good players, and I hope they continue to get chances at the MLS level because they are high level. And, um, you know, I figured I shared this information with a lot of MLS coaches and executives, so, you know, why not be able to send it to others to try to help further the information. couple players that I just, you know, really thought were special players, John Moutinho, obviously – the number one pick. But, you know, when we played against him, we scouted him as a center back and a right back. And then against us, they played him at attacking midfield. And he I mean, we lost four to one. We We never give up goals and we got smashed by him. So it was one of those things where after that game, we just all looked at each other and we said, this kid's got to go. He's too good and you know talking where we get on very well with the akron staff they even referenced that they knew that they were going to play him in the midfield against us because they had a good scout against us and he just he was so good and and maybe i'm a little skewed because of how much damage he did to us personally um you know the john vaccaro kid from wake forest we never played against him but watching him over the last two years there just really wasn't a lot of players that were better than he was he was very good um you know they are our rival and we're not we always have a very competitive rival but francis atuahene from university of michigan he was he was special and i i think he's going to do very well at dallas i think the way they play and the way he goes at it um if he stays healthy he's going to be a star um the other kid again in our conference is is uh chris Mueller. he 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 came in. We actually kind of recruited him out of high school, and he um, he really took off and he got a lot better. So, you know, his last two years of college soccer, he was special. Twenty assists as a as a senior is just absolutely bonkers. So he was a tough one to handle. We we uh, our scouting report was we had to shut him down, and after seven minutes, he scored on us. So it's one of those things where you know the players are good when you're trying to stop them and you can't. So there's a lot of players out there. Um, You know, I think with specifically to Michigan State, we have a couple players next year that I think could be potentially generation Adidas or or high-level draft picks. So we're looking really forward to to a lot of really good soccer coming up, and and like you referenced, these, these young college players are doing really well.
0: John, any final questions for Ben?
1: It's the one that I like to end most of these interviews with. What do you see potentially changing with the organization over the next, say, five years, especially with new opportunities like USL D3 and ESA announcing?
2: You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I think our club has always been focused on the club compared to, you know, other things that we can't control. Um, It is a big club, especially for the NPSL level. There's a lot of talk about what can happen with certain leagues and development and all these pro leagues going on. I think eventually I know it's on the radar for the club to, to continue to to develop and to continue to spread its brand, but also be able to, to play at the highest level. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty going on in the country with, with certain levels of soccer, but, I think that um, you know our club, Detroit City, is one of those clubs that I think has the infrastructure and the people, which is very important, around to take it take it even further.
1: All right, and whatever you guys end up doing, I look forward to watching it and following it from afar as I've done. It's been fantastic to watch, and I wish you guys the best this year with the upcoming season.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate that. And John, where can our listeners find you out there on the internet?
1: Uh, On Twitter, you can find me at JohnMLTX, where sometimes I tweet about soccer and a lot of times I tweet about other nonsense. Uh, I'm on Instagram, where I'll be posting some sneak previews of any of the art projects I'm working on, including the schedule wallpapers, which are coming out again, and you'll see me all over Soccer Reddit, as usual, as I'll also check out Front Porch Soccer, the other show where I collaborate with Ian from Soccer and Sweet Tea, we'll actually be recording later tonight and making fun of MLS jerseys, it's gonna be great.
0: And our guest this evening has been head coach of DCFC and assistant coach for Michigan State Men's Soccer, Ben Pierman. Ben, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Where can our listeners find information about your teams?
2: Yeah, so we, uh, you know, Michigan State Soccer, we have Twitter and Instagram, uh, you know, and then obviously Detroit City is is such a presence in uh, the social media with everything that they do. They're, they're, they're pretty easy to, to follow if, if you're looking. So, you know, they're on Twitter and Facebook and, and all the sorts and they do a ton of incredible stuff all, pretty much daily. That that's really exciting to follow.
0: And thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. I'm your host, Kevin Johnston. This has been episode 41. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.